I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my wonderful, beautiful friends. Guys, welcome back to our slash entitled people, where you'll hear ridiculous stories about people who think they can always get what they want and do whatever they want because they're special. Like the Karen in this episode who lights up a cigarette on an airplane like she owns it. My friends, as always, it's going to be another super entertaining episode, so don't shake your heads too hard, subscribe if you haven't, and the email link for story submissions will be in the description below. I'm a 29-year-old guy, and one of my best friends named Carla is getting married soon. It's only meant to be a small backyard type of wedding, but they've been planning it for a few months now, and originally, it was supposed to be on my property. They wanted it at my place because it's private, has lots of open space for reception, and the house could be used for them to get ready and stuff. Of course I said yes, as she was my best friend. Now her and her fiancé Rick were very happy. The thing is, Carla and I do have a history. We went on and off in college, but we decided to stay friends. I then met my wife and we got married, and Carla met Rick, and now here they are. Now my wife knows that I went out with Carla back in college, and she doesn't care. Carla still went to our wedding and everything. I never knew if Rick was told or not, as it's not my relationship, therefore, it's not my business to say anything, so I never did. So, the thing is, Rick found out recently, and not in the best way. I'm not sure how, but from what I heard from friends is that one mutual friend brought it up that we used to date. Now, not only that, but apparently the friend also told Rick that Carla said a couple of years ago that she was still in love with me when she was dating Rick. I don't have actual confirmation if that's exactly what he was told. All Carla told me was that Rick was told about our past and he's angry at her for never saying anything. It became quite the drama and I didn't hear anything from her for over a month, until now. She told me they're going to couples counseling but that the wedding's still on. Oh, and another thing. So Rick requested that I do not attend their wedding. It sucks but I totally get why he wouldn't be comfortable. And then I asked the obvious question, so where are you guys going to hold the wedding then? To my surprise, she said that Rick still wants it at my place. Now in my mind, I'm going, so he doesn't want the guy who dated his fiance years ago at the wedding, but he still wants the wedding at the guy's house? She then said it would be great if my wife and I were not at our home the weekend of the wedding, and I told Carla no, they're going to have to find someplace else since we're not simply going to leave our home to them for the weekend. Not only for safety reasons, but it just doesn't make sense. Rick doesn't want me around because he's not comfortable, but he's comfortable enough to have their wedding at my house? Seriously? They really want their wedding here, and because of that, I've been bugged not only by Carla, but also Rick and some friends, who think that I'm being a petty a-hole for not letting them have the wedding here anymore. Honestly, I don't think that I am. It just doesn't make sense at all to have to leave our own place for a wedding that we're no longer welcome to, and leaving our home totally vulnerable. I'm also being accused of sabotaging their wedding, and Rick believes it's the least I can do, after everything. So am I the a-hole? Okay guys, so to me and a lot of people in the comments of the post, Rick sounds like such an entitled child for uninviting OP from the wedding and still demanding use of his house, especially when he says it's the least 
you can do after everything. Like, OP owes him. In my opinion, OP is not the a-hole and is not obligated to allow his home's use to Rick, who got angry over hearing that he used to date Carla seven years ago. Now with that said though, I have noticed that a lot of people in the comments glossed over the fact that the post did mention that Carla had told a friend of Rick's that she was still in love with OP a couple of years ago when they first started dating. Now that's quite the bomb to drop on someone before a wedding, so I do understand how Rick would feel the way he does. However, that was over two years ago, and things have clearly changed during the course of the relationship if she's marrying Rick. But it still doesn't give him the right to demand OP's house and kick him out for the weekend though. Find someplace else, dude. Or reinvite OP to your wedding. Okay guys, so this next post was sent to me by Adam Altman. Now, usually I don't say the last name as people want to remain anonymous, but Adam linked a frickin' newspaper article because the Karen in the story went insane on a plane. I was working as a flight attendant on a flight from Akron, Ohio to Chicago, Illinois, and this is how it went. So on this day, we were on a commuter plane. It was the third flight of my five-flight day that day. We got to Akron and disembarked the passengers that we had and picked up new passengers that were headed to Chicago. Now, one such passenger was a Karen, and she was seated in her seat when I started the beverage service. When I get about halfway through the 50-seat airplane, I hear the call bell go off. A passenger informed me that Karen was in the bathroom smoking a cigarette. This passenger had also informed me that she was previously smoking in her seat. It was at this point that I put the beverage cart back to deal with the situation. I called the pilot and informed him of the situation when all of a sudden, I hear an alarm going off. It was the passenger in the bathroom that was smoking. The smoke from her cigarette set off the alarm. I tell the pilot that I'll handle it. I hang the phone up, grab a fire extinguisher, and then head to the bathroom which is at the very back of the plane. The other passengers are starting to freak out. As I pass each row, heads start to turn as they see me carrying a fire extinguisher. You can see the looks on their faces. I had to reassure all the passengers that everything's gonna be okay, as I'm carrying the fire extinguisher while remaining composed. I then open the bathroom door, and I'm greeted by a huge plume of smoke, only to find out that Karen was still smoking even with the fire alarm going off. And that alarm is really loud. So after the smoke dissipates, I see something that I was not expecting to see. Karen was sitting on the toilet seats, with her clothing on thankfully, and she had her three-year-old son between her legs. I turn off the alarm, confiscate the lighter and her boarding pass, and then spray the fire extinguisher to extinguish the cigarette, as we're not allowed to place our hands on any other person. I then ask her to sit in the vacant seat closest to the bathroom, and she starts to scream at the top of her lungs, saying that I stole her son's passport. She refuses to take a seat, so I force her into the seat. I use all the tools that were given to me to restrain her. Now Karen was thrashing so much that I wasn't able to restrain her. I was on the phone with the pilots when Karen grabs my right arm and bites me on the forearm. She successfully breaks the skin causing me to bleed. I let out a huge scream that I didn't know I was capable of. All the while, I was still on the phone with the pilot. I was pissed. I then take the receiver of the phone and smacked her across the head. At least, that was my intention. I missed her head though and I hit the wall behind her only because she was thrashing her head from side to side. Thankfully, I had an off-duty Chicago officer on the flight. He placed her in handcuffs while another passenger comforted her three-year-old son who was crying. I called the pilot back and informed him that I was just injured and that I would need medical attention as soon as we arrived. The pilot then informs air traffic control and declares an emergency. This gave us priority clearance to land as soon as we got to Chicago. As we land in Chicago and taxi to the gates, I could see out of one of the passenger windows, there were like 20 cop cars, an ambulance, and a fire truck following us. 
Now, we're a very small commuter jet. We get to the gates, I open the door, and the police try to storm the aircraft. I had to let out a small chuckle, as one officer asked me which one was the assailant. I then point to the Karen who was still seated in the last row, being guarded by the off-duty police officer. Two officers swapped out the handcuffs. The police officer then leads her to the front of the airplane. Now, keep in mind that the aircraft, in addition to being small, also has an emergency exit sign on the ceiling. The police officer hit his head on the sign and knocked it out of the ceiling. It was at this moment that the police officer lets out a shout. He, too, had been injured. Passengers then exit the aircraft, right behind the arresting officer and the Karen. The other police officers asked the passengers to remain by the gate so they could get their names and statements. I was then taken by ambulance to the hospital. I was treated and released and given the week off. And I sure needed the week off after that. After two months, Karen and her son were deported and not allowed back in the USA. I do feel bad for the son, though. He did nothing wrong. Now, I'm not sure if he too was banned from re-entering the US, but I think he should be allowed back in, especially to see his father. Okay, so Adam did link a news article to this wild story, and I, I, I still can't believe it. So the article reads, US oust woman for a bite. So a woman is being sent home to the Middle East after pleading guilty to biting a flight attendant who caught her smoking on an airplane. So the woman was sentenced to time served and ordered deported Friday as part of a plea agreement. She lived with her husband in Akron, Ohio, and was with her three-year-old son on an American Eagle flight from Cleveland to Chicago on July 22nd. The woman then lights a cigarette, but was told that she could not smoke on the airplane. She later went to the bathroom to light up again, and she was caught by the flight attendant Adam Altman, who confiscated her boarding pass and lighter. She then bites him on the right forearm, breaking the skin... A police officer on board and another passenger were able to restrain that woman, and she tried to bite them too. So what a wild story, right? Like, smoking in an airplane bathroom with your three-year-old between your legs? I can't, I just can't. Guys, airplane bathrooms are so friggin' tiny, and just thinking about a three-year-old being stuck in that tiny bathroom while the bathroom's filling up with smoke and breathing that in makes me so sad. Shame on you, Karen. Adam, if you're listening, thank you so much for submitting this crazy story. And hey, you have a wild tale to tell for the rest of your life. The next story was sent to me by Karen. And guys, she's a good Karen, I promise. So this is a story about my mom's friend who busted her way into our home and stayed way too long. It's a little long, but worth the read. I'll call this one the day my mom came out of the closet. So back centuries ago, when I was 12 or 13, my mom decided that we needed to paint the living room. I was okay with it, because I was really too young to realize how much work was involved with painting a room. (laughs) That's so true. My mom took a couple of days off work to get the project done. She figured two days would be enough, and she was almost right. Now, before I go any further, I know you're asking yourself, what does painting a living room have to do with someone coming out of a closet? Stick around. I think you'll soon understand. So we take all the furniture out and we had the tarps down. Mom taped off the floorboards and removed the outlet covers and we were ready to begin. We start by the door frames and was just getting ready to paint the walls when mom hears a car pull up in the driveway. She says out loud, damn. Now it's her friend Miss Moore, not her real name. Now mom not wanting to spend the day talking to Miss Moore as this lady could talk the warts off of a frog's butt. She told me to tell her that she wasn't home. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I said, okay. So Miss Moore waddles up to the front door and she knocks. Mom took off down the hall and she hides in the closet. I cracked the door open just to hair and said hello. Miss Moore asked if my mom was home. I told her she wasn't, and I said we were painting the living room, and that mom went out to get some more supplies. Now, Miss Moore, being the epitome of a good, entitled friend, said, That's okay. I'm just gonna come in and wait for her. She then pushes past me, and she walks into the living room like she owns the place. Now, at this point, I'm thinking, she'll only be here for a few minutes, as I stole a nervous glance down the hall to the closet. I then pick up my paintbrush and continued painting. Miss Moore then bombarded me with question after question after question, and this woman could talk. I'm trying to ignore her, but that was impossible. I was trying real hard to not start laughing or crying, as I didn't know how much longer my mom could stay in the closet for. I answered her the best I could. I tried to tell her that mom had several errands to run, and she wasn't going to be back home for a long time. But Miss Moore wasn't getting the hint. She was too busy talking to hear what I was mumbling. I resigned myself to the fact that this was going to be a very long afternoon. At one point, she had been talking for so long that I started to zone out and hallucinate. Miss Moore disappears, and in her place was a giant pair of red lips on legs. The more she talked, the bigger those red lips grew. And did I mention that this woman could talk? She had been there for quite a while, and mom must have gotten a cramp because we heard something down the hall. And Miss Moore asked, What was that? I tell her we have squirrels in the attic, and I'm glad she bought it, as she wasn't very bright. I was starting to get antsy. Mom had been in the closet for quite a while now, and it was getting to be close to lunchtime, and I was hungry, and I knew Mom had to be hungry as well. I said again that Mom had several errands to run, and it could be a while before she gets back. And that's when Miss Moore said, That's okay. I don't have anything planned for today. I can wait here for a while. I'm thinking, great. Just great. I kept painting and she kept talking. Now, my brain had gone numb at this point. I no longer heard what she was saying. I just mumbled a, yes ma'am, every once in a while and kept nodding my head. Miss Moore then asked if we had any coffee. And damn, I thought. I told her we didn't have any made. She then asked if I would be a deer and go make some. So like a zombie, I walk into the kitchen and put the percolator on. She has to leave soon, I thought. I hoped. I prayed. So after the coffee was done, I went and fixed us both a cup. Now I figured that she would drink a cup and then leave. Three cups later, and she was still there. I just about had two walls finished by myself now. I was thinking, was it possible for a 13-year-old to have a complete nervous breakdown from being talked to? I was beginning to think so. I then saw movement from the corner of my eye. And I'm thinking, no, this is too good to be true. Miss Moore had reached into her purse, and she had her keys in her hand. I dared not to breathe. Was she leaving? 
Miss Moore then says, I guess I should go, it's getting late. I stood in the middle of the room not moving, not breathing, and not blinking, and I said, Yeah, it looks like mom had more to do than she thought. Miss Moore then waddles over to the door, and she puts her little chubby hand on the doorknob. She then slowly, ever so slowly turns the knob, and then she stops and says, I need to use the bathroom before I leave. Now at this point, she had been here for over two hours, so she probably did have to use it. I told her down the hall, first door to your right. The closet door was the second door on the right, and they were right next to each other. She then went in and stayed there for several minutes. Then to my relief, I heard the toilet flush and the water in the sink come on. She then comes out and says that she enjoyed our visit. I said something like, yeah, me too. I mumbled it so low she didn't hear me. She then opens the door, waddles to her car, gets in and left. I shut and lock the door. I then scream, Mom, she's gone. The closet door then busts open, with a force that you only see in movies. There was a whirl of color, not unlike the Tasmanian devil from the Bugs Bunny cartoons, and then the bathroom door slams shut. Now, I don't know how you were raised, but we were not wealthy enough to have a potty in the closet, and Mom had to pee before she went in. She'd been holding it for over two hours. When she finally comes out of the bathroom, she was a sweaty, shaking mess. I then went and put another pot of coffee on, and I really couldn't help myself. I busted out laughing, and it took several minutes for me to pull myself back together. Mom just gave me the evil eye mom look. She knew she couldn't get mad at me because, after all, I was just a kid, and she was the one who told me to tell Miss Moore that she wasn't home. To this day, I still tease mom about the day that she came out of the closet. What a hilarious and super well-written story. It's so funny how the mom just bolts for the closet instead of running out the back door. Could you imagine if Miss Moore mistakenly opened the closet door instead of the bathroom door? What would you even say at that point? Like, surprise, I've been in here for two hours, waiting for you to go home. Karen, thank you so much for sending me this wonderful story. I absolutely loved it. The last story in this episode is another submission by River. She says, so this happened a couple of months ago. I work in retail and we have a pretty normal price match policy. We price match with competitors as long as we can verify the price on the websites and it's not a special sale. So my coworker is helping on the registers and she gets a customer who we'll call Karen. Karen's buying some supplies, which were about 20 bucks each. She claimed that a certain red themed store with a bullseye logo was selling them for $4. So my coworker starts looking it up and she calls me to the registers because the line's getting long. When I get there, she asks me about the item because she can't find the exact item, just an old version of the item with a similar name. So I try to find the item and the old product comes up through Google, but directly through their website. So I tell Karen that we're not able to find the product and ask her to show where she found it. She just shows me the exact same Google search result and insists that I found the right one on my phone already. I just explained that I found an adhesive version of the product, and she has the standard one. She then says, This is adhesive too. You just don't know about this sort of stuff. Now this is not true, of course. I know about the products enough to be able to read the descriptions and see if they match. I just repeat that even if they're both adhesive, the one she's trying to price match is called an adhesive mat, and she has a standard grip mat with her. She of course continues disagreeing, so we call the manager on duty, who we'll call Annie. Now the great thing about managers in my store is they'll always take our side over the customers in situations like this. So when she came up, we quickly told her the situation and I start to try to clear out the line while listening to what was going on next to me. Annie told Karen that she would try to find the product and if she could verify it, she would get the price match. 
About 5 minutes pass and Annie can't find the product either. Karen's getting angry at this point, complaining loudly on her phone to someone how stupid we were, showing us the Google search results again and again, demanding Annie Google the product to find it. Annie just remains polite and says she's not gonna Google it since we have to go directly to the website and find it from there, and she just needs to wait for her to find the product. Then Karen starts complaining that she knows our policy and she looked it up before coming to the store, and she should get the price match. Annie just says that we're aware of our own store policy. At this point, Karen decides to pull out the ace of her sleeve. She tells us how she talked to corporate before coming in and they approved the price match and she was going to complain if we didn't do it for her. At this, Annie says, okay. She then picks up one of the store phones and dials up the corporate number for customers. She explains the situation and asks if they approved the price match. Now, whoever she spoke to looked it up himself and said that the store no longer sold the product, so it was an old price that they couldn't honor. Annie tells Karen this, and Karen gets mad and brings up corporate again. So Annie hands her the phone and says that she just talked to corporates, and Karen could speak to them as well. So the person on the phone has a discussion with her, but Karen still isn't satisfied. Annie then takes back the phone, and she's told that even though he thinks she shouldn't price match, she's the manager, so it's her final call. Now we do tend to bend policies if we're feeling generous or the customer's nice, but this lady had been a Karen the whole time. She was rude and demanding. The woman had at least $150 of product and she wants it for less than $40. So my manager just says that corporate says it's a no-go and she says it's no as well. Karen then throws a tantrum, storms out cursing at all of us, leaving the stuff she was buying behind. Guys, I've said this once and I'll say it again. I have mad respect for people who work in retail who probably have to deal with these entitled Karens all the time. This stuff probably happens every shift, right? And it's definitely a more tame story than what I've read on the channel before. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash entitled people. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the stories today. And guys, if you've sent stories my way, I have to let you know that Steve-O's only one person and he's also really really lazy. So guys, like the video if you liked it, subscribe if you haven't, and if you missed the last episode on the channel, a wild Karen tries to steal OP's baby and gets taken to court. It's such an awesome, funny story, so check it out if you haven't, and myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.